Soul Recovery is not just this podcast. It is a community. And each month on the first Monday, we get together on Zoom to support each other. I give a topic, then we break into small groups. It's a powerful way to be seen and witnessed and heard and supported through your own soul recovery journey. This is free to attend and open to everyone. Go to the website to register. The next one is May 6th from 6 to 7 p.m. Mountain Standard Time. Also, in June on the 8th and 9th is an in-person soul recovery retreat in Lafayette, Colorado. This is going to be a weekend of incredible transformation, learning how to use soul recovery in your life and to leave that weekend transformed. Visit the website for more about what to expect and how to register. Enjoy the episode. Supporting our children when they're on an addiction recovery journey isn't easy for either party, the person who is the addict or the parent. Ultimately, we want to allow them to have their own experience so that when they choose recovery, it comes from that true place where they are going to make long lasting and really effective change in their life. But how do you manage that when you're the parent and you want to help them? This episode is a conversation with me and my 24-year-old son, Bodhi, and we're talking very candidly about his current situation of being in a no drinking, no smoking period. That doesn't mean that he's not going to pick it up again, but it's around his being able to really honestly share what's going on with him. What is his thought process? How can I be supportive of him? How is it affecting his life and the positive and the negative? And this allowing him to have his own experience while I'm attending to myself is the foundation of soul recovery. Enjoy the episode. Welcome to the Recover Your Soul podcast, a spiritual path to a happy and healthy life. My name is Reverend Rachel Harrison. I started Recover Your Soul after having profound changes in my life from my recovery of alcoholism, codependency, and control addiction. I was guided to share the tools and principles of spirituality and soul recovery to help others transform their lives as mine was transformed. For us to overcome external circumstances, we need to turn the attention to ourselves, focusing on our inner change and healing. Positive results in our lives will follow. Welcome to the Recovery Soul Podcast. I am Reverend Rachel Harrison, and I'm so thankful that you are here joining me today for another episode. And I'm just going to jump right in because sitting right next to me is my youngest son, Bodhi. Hi, Bodhi. Hello. Bodhi's in town. He was shooting a wedding for a buddy, and so we've had him here for four or five days. And it's just been wonderful to have him around. It's been uh, real to have him around (laughs) our never ending journey together. For those of you who have been listening to the podcast for a while, you know, Bodhi, you've heard him in other episodes and you've heard me talk about him quite a bit. And I am just really grateful that he's here today to continue to share our story together as we are doing our own soul recovery. So thank you for being here. Of course, my pleasure. I think it's definitely important for us all to share with each other and be vulnerable so that we can relate and find comfort in each other's struggles and learn from each other's mistakes and victories. Well said. I asked Bode if he'd be on the podcast today because there's a multitude of topics that we could talk about, but I really wanted to be thankful that he's willing to come here and talk about some more is just around recovery, around recovery from substances and addictions. And as we know, apples don't fall far from the tree. 
and I am a recovered alcoholic and my husband is still a recovering alcoholic and he can come in and do his own podcast about he's still working on that. And and the boys have been really working on it in their own way as well. So thank you for being willing to share about it. Sure. My journey is probably similar to maybe some other people around my age or even other people far beyond my age or even before, but I have a hard time with the idea of wanting to fully sober up and completely get rid of alcohol and completely get rid of marijuana. And I do my best to moderate, which is not easy for addicts or folks like myself. It's been like definitely a roller coaster. But lately, I started to really kind of lose control of my marijuana habits. And my drinking was getting a little more frequent than I wanted it to be. I think it was coming stemming from a lot of stress at work and just feeling, you know, I've never been very good about taking proper breaks and getting myself the rest that I need. And my job is pretty demanding. I end up having to work a lot of weekends. I work five days a week. I am our marketing manager. So a lot falls on my shoulders and is my responsibility to, to do and to plan. It's just been kind of getting to me on a really deep level and freaking me out. And I feel like I've been just like burned out for the last year and a half, just putting one foot in front of the other. And I think I was definitely using marijuana and using drinking, but not to a copious amount with the with the drinking, you know, a couple, couple beers here and there, but probably realistically like four to six days a week I was drinking, which I don't like that level of frequency. I'd really prefer it to be once a week, maybe. Right now, I'm wanting it to be maybe once or twice a month. But I was getting to a point where my depression and my anxiety was starting to spin out of control. It was really starting to scare me on like a deep level of like, is this how it's going to be forever? Like, why am I feeling this way? You know, having some days that are supposed to be amazing, the outside circumstances were incredible, but internally, I was not okay, not happy not stable, not feeling peaceful, very pessimistic, lots of self-hatred and bad self-talk going on. It felt like I couldn't really fight and adjust. And I just, I got to a point where I was like, you know, this, this needs to end. And I think I know, you know, one of the best ways to start. And so I sobered up, I put down the alcohol, gave myself like a week and a half before I put down the weed because it's tricky to do them both at the same time sometimes, and then you'll just relapse. So that's honestly been really good. You know, the the initial adjustment period is always tough, that first three, four days. But, you know, once I leveled out and my brain started making its own dopamine again and not relying on the weed, and it just started to feel really good. It, it started to feel a lot more mentally clear. Again, I started to feel a lot more positive about things. And I've been enjoying it. Honestly, I really don't want to go back to smoking marijuana for quite a long time because as much as I do like it and I do like the feeling of it, you know, one of my things I'll always battle is my desire for altered states of mind. But I realize weed really just makes me pretty dumb and tired and unmotivated it solves one problem and causes multiple others. You know, it helps me mm-hmm. with my stress and my anxiety, but then it just kind of shuts me down and then I don't get done the things I want to get done. 
and I don't do the studying that I want to study and I don't end up following through on certain plans. And then that just makes me feel even worse. And it just kind of creates like a guilt cycle. So I'm excited to get out of that. And it's been about probably four weeks with no alcohol, but this wedding that I was here for, I, uh, I cheated and decided, you know, it's a, it's an event, it's a wedding. This will be my one time drinking for the month. And it's funny because it immediately caused bullshit in my life, in our lives. I I failed to check in. I borrowed mom's car and failed to check in with them. And it turns out she needed the car the following day. I didn't check in, you know, because I was just partying, having a good time. And then slept in till like noon the following day because I had drank and was trying to sleep off any kind of hangover. And then I, you know, grabbed my phone and realized mom and dad were up all night worrying about me, didn't know exactly where I was. They thought I was going to come home that night. And so they thought maybe I got into an accident. I never gave them Anson's phone number, my buddy. So they weren't, they had no way to get a hold of me because my phone was dead. And I just felt terrible. Like you never want to put your family through that. And I also burnt away half of one of my days out here that I could have spent hanging out with my dad or, you know, doing anything other than sleeping. So it's funny how almost without fail, as fun as alcohol can be, you got to pay for that fun with some drama. It's usually how it turns out. You know, I, I really appreciate your being willing to come and talk about this because anybody who's listened to the podcast heard the episode around when we came to Seek and Shred in June for the big event. We had been with you in April. You had broken your collarbone. You guys have been partying pretty hard at that event and on its own. And that was its own story around watching you guys party and with Alex there as well. And then at the Seek and Shred, Dad and I were pretty concerned. You know, part of this conversation is around as your parents, as your parents of adult men, learning how to be able to be concerned within ourselves and be able to have our own feelings. And then what is the healthy way to speak to you? What is the healthy way to support you? What is the healthy way to try to encourage you to make different choices, but not make you feel shameful to allow you to figure it out for yourself and how to do that from the soul recovery perspective, where we're not judging, we're not blaming, we're not bringing in a bunch of guilt or a bunch of shame, but also recognizing that there was a real concern on our end. So I appreciate you being just forthright and saying that it had kind of gotten out of hand, that it was in a place where you're pretty checked out. When we talked to you and we talked to you just briefly at Seek and Shred, what does that feel like to you? The things that we say, what, what is helpful in terms of things that we can say versus us telling you what to do? I feel like making observational statements is okay. I think some people might not take it the best, but observing like, hey, from my perspective, it seems like you're partying a little hard. You know how that's going to end up. Might not be the best idea for you to be going this hard, you know, take some time to chill. That always helps. Or making suggestive statements of like, not even mentioning anything that we're doing, but mentioning maybe good ideas and good practices that you think would be healthier decisions. But in those kinds of scenarios, it's hard because that's a, you know, it's a festival. Mm -hmm. It's a big party. Right. So I don't know. I don't think there's a right or wrong, but 
Did you feel judged by us at that event? No, I definitely could tell you guys were a little worried and weren't super stoked with my partying. But I also know that you guys see the potential in me living a sober life. And I think I see that too. And so when you don't see me living a sober life and you see me living the opposite of that, like going full party boy mode, that it's concerning. Mm -hmm. And I'm your baby. Mm -hmm. And I get that. You know, and you've told me that you guys watch these shred documentaries and the the people that go the hardest, you know, live the shortest. So I definitely understand your your guys' concern on that side of things. But, you know, at the same time, you know, in my early 20s, it's kind of the time of life to do this. You know, I really don't feel like I abuse alcohol on a level that's super bad for my body. I hardly ever get, like, wasted. And when I do use certain psychedelic substances i'm always using like quality substances i don't do a bunch of bad cocaine and weird acid and Mm -hmm. experimental things and i don't pop any kind of pills or anything like that but that being said it's still something to do in moderation and with intention to not overdo and abuse because that can really take a toll on your brain and on your serotonin receptors and your dopamine system and everything. So I feel like I've, I have it mostly under control, but you know, everybody feels like they have it under control. So it is nice to have a loving outside perspective, be like, Hey, I'm a little concerned for you. Like you probably dial it in a little bit. Like I hope after this weekend is over, you're going to fucking slow down, (laughs) you know, which I did for sure. Which is kind of what we said. in the best way possible. I was really trying to be mindful. I, of course, always cry when I talk to you about stuff like that. I can't help it. But I never want to tell you who to be or what to do. Mm -hmm. I want you to make the choices for yourself. But the hard part about being older is that we've seen the, the downside. Right. You know, you think about the chaos of your childhood, of our raising you. And so much could have been so much better Mm -hmm. if we weren't drinking. And there was so much dysfunction that came around our being alcoholics. And so the part of us that has regret over that, like huge regret over that, it's like you want to give you the gift of not having to go through all that bullshit. Right. And yet I didn't get sober till I was 48. So like, what the hell do I have to say to try to make you be anything But I also see this enormous bright light in you and this potential to be one of those people that just shines so brightly and changes, you know, people's lives in terms of being an inspiration to them. So the partiers really do burn out. They either Mm -hmm. die or they lose all that potential. And so as a parent, like, we just want to keep you from going on either of those paths. We want to see you be your fullest self. And yet we're all addicts. Mm -hmm. If you're ready for soul recovery as a spiritual coach, I can support your healing to help make real changes that will bring you a life of peace, happiness, connection, and abundance. You can also work in smaller groups by taking a deep dive in a Zoom workshop or with me in person at a retreat or an event. 
Join others on the Soul Recovery Path once a month for the free Zoom support group or daily on the private Facebook page. Visit the website recoveryoursoul.net to book coaching sessions with me or find all the information you need about soul recovery, dates that are coming up, and how to register for those groups and workshops. To support the podcast and the community, check the links in the show notes to make a small monthly donation or a one-time donation of your choice that will make a huge impact to support this community and the soul recovery mission. Together, we can do the work that will recover your soul. I definitely can see and feel how weed and alcohol takes that light away from me a little bit. And, you know, partying with LSD, MDMA, that kind of stuff is like, it's fun for that evening, but then it kind of burns you out for following days and even weeks sometimes. One thing that a a friend of mine said to me recently, I kind of got homie checked coming out of that period of partying in the summer because that festival that you guys were at, there was a festival in the same spot the week before. And so it was like back-to-back party weekends. And then I think there was even another event either the weekend after that or two weekends after that. And so it's kind of on a bit of a bender. And one of my buddies, homie checked me a little bit and was letting me know how he was a little bit concerned for me um, because I think everybody at my work was kind of chatting with each other Mm -hmm. because I know boss man was pretty concerned and a couple other homies might have been. So I got homie checked and he told me that when I party and I get into that mindset, I become very self-centered and not as aware and focused on the people around me which I feel like there is definitely a level of that. But I also feel like for so much of my life, I haven't focused on myself and taken care of myself. I've always been like family family therapist, everyone's resource to come to and be supported. And I've been trying to focus in the last couple of years on being a little bit more intentionally self-centered and focused on myself and not like constantly putting myself aside to take care of the people around me but there's a healthy balance Mm -hmm. to be found with that you know you shouldn't be completely self-involved and only worried about yourself but you also shouldn't be completely not focused on yourself not taking care of yourself totally just running around putting out everybody else's fires making sure everybody else is drinking water and eating food and what do they want to you know be doing and do they have everything they need and then you get to the end of the day and it's like well i didn't i didn't eat you know, you can't light yourself on fire to warm up everybody around you all the time because mm-hmm. you'll burn yourself out. And so it was definitely nice having somebody tell me that and bring it a lot more into my awareness to achieve that balance a little bit more. But there is the reality of that is, you know, taking substances and partying does just kind of bring you inward and yeah. not always in the most healthy way. And I think certain substances are meant to do that, but you're meant to do that alone or with a therapist with the intention of healing and introspection and studying yourself, not partying. So yeah, that's definitely something that I've taken into account and kind of thought about. I really appreciate that because I think there's a couple, there's two sides to the coin on that. And first I just want to reflect that in general, Addiction is a very selfish act. The people who are in the midst of their addiction, the people who are really caught up in the, what is in it for me? How am I going to get to this level that I want to get to? There is some real intense selfishness that can come into it. 
and it ends up negatively affecting the people around them, right? I think it's interesting that then you're also flipping it to the piece that says, you have been the peacemaker in our family. You did have a role of being the golden child. You did have the role of how there was so much stress and everything that at least we had you to be the one that could make us all smile and make it happy and figure it all out. And you took care of dad when I left and took care of Alex, you know, to be honest, the last couple of years and, and all of the taking care of people. And we do need to figure out how to turn the attention to ourselves and do our inner work and psychedelics in that level, the therapeutic style that they're being used now is not around addiction. It's really around real inner journey work. But that balance is is fascinating to hear you talk about that because I've felt like you've been kind of selfish over the last couple of years. I feel like I've kind of lost the Bodhi who's aware of what's happening around us, but that explains to me that you kind of intentionally were doing that. You know, that's news to me. That's new. Mm-hmm. It's just been part of my journey and I've been trying to just be a little more self-focused in a healthier way. You know, I think I'm in a place where I need to start kind of leveling that out and kind of bringing it back the other direction. It's just something I, I saw and discovered in myself and in a lot of like the spiritual research that I was doing. And so I decided, you know, I wanted to open myself up to my darker parts of myself mm. because I think I've always been very scared of my ego and scared of the darkness within me. And so I've pushed so hard into the positive space that I've created a reality for myself that wasn't real. Mm. And so in the living, last, living in your mask, living in my mask, living mm-hmm. in La La Land, that everything's fine and happy and positive and love will heal everything, which it will. But I had just like a false sense of positivity and optimism and I didn't have a full understanding of myself and who I was because there were so many parts of myself that I ignored and pushed away and didn't want to face. Mm-hmm. And I think that's shadow work is what they call yeah. it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I've been trying to do a little bit more shadow work and opening up more to my darker sides of myself to face them and make friends with them and bring them into the light. And just focus more on myself and making sure that like I'm okay and kind of doing what I want to do and still staying aware of all the people around me. I still have a very deep understanding of how my thoughts and actions can affect the people around me and even just my energy and my my vibration. And so I try to definitely still be very conscientious with that. But for so long, I've just been like everybody else's protector and bringer of light. And it was getting to a point where I was running out of that light, it felt like. And I just was just getting into these negative spaces and feeling like everybody around me was just taking advantage of me. And a lot of the people that I was there for and was giving all this love and energy to didn't give anything back. You know, there's a lot of people that just take, 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 take. And maybe they think they give it back in certain ways, but it didn't feel that way for me for a lot of people in my life. And so I got to a place where it wasn't necessarily like, oh, screw all these people. Like, I don't need all these people. I'm going to find new friends. But I was like, okay, I'm going to focus a little more on me and not put myself out there so much for everybody because I'm not really getting it back. Have you found anything that's been insightful or really in that darkness? I mean, doing shadow work is huge. And that's a lot of what I do in soul recovery one-on-ones is 
you know, there's protectors that are the parts of us that keep us from pain and keep those little doors locked that we don't want to shine light on. If you're willing to share, is there anything that you've opened up to or that you're interested or have been surprised by? Um, I'm really bad at just pulling things up out of my brain on the spot, but I think one of the things that I've discovered and been faced with and that I've been really working on is I have like a deeply judgmental and pessimistic side to me. Mm. You know, like I am ultimately a bringer of light and a very positive person and optimistic person and I can see the positivity and everything. But I also have this like yin to my young mm-hmm. that I was suppressed for a long time and then kind of opened up to and allowed to kind of come into my space more. And I'm now trying to talk more light and positivity into that side of myself. You know, so just and, allowing the truth that there is a darker side instead of trying to pretend like it doesn't exist. Exactly. Yeah. And allowing that side to express, but then observing that, not identifying with it and speaking back to that side with light and positivity and my actual feelings on those situations or those people. I think that's so important too to battle your negative self-talk with positive talk, but not in a aggressive battle way of like, no, shut up, screw you. This is what it is. It's like, okay, I hear you. I love you. But this is really how we feel about this. I actually really love that because I think that that darkness, that fear is in all of us. Mm-hmm. And it generally is like really our woundedness or our pain. And I, you know, I still, <laughs> I went there this weekend, you know, you, you like go there and you have to touch it mm-hmm. for you to be able to bring the light. Yeah. If you pretend like it's not there, it's just, it just festers. It's just festering and getting shoved down versus mm-hmm. saying, help me see this differently. Help me see what this is. Foundations, you know, the foundation of this is. Mm-hmm. Help me um, understand myself better. Help me see my side. And I think a lot of it can come from like past situations and past traumas and even past lives. And it helps you to really at certain times you get those thoughts and those feelings from that side of yourself and you're like you've got to be able to think why do I feel this way Mm -hmm. like where might this be coming from is this just pure negativity manifesting or is this something happened before that hurt me that now makes me feel this way about this kind of situation or this kind of person and when we can have that kind of awareness and that introspection on those negative thoughts we can heal those some of those traumas and fix some of those perspectives. Absolutely. I think it all comes from our perception and our projection, Mm -hmm. every single bit of it. For sure. Thank you for your wisdom. I'm over here just like my heart's full. Coming back to, to sobriety, I always come back to the voice of spirit that spoke to you when you were in college. You want to tell that story? Yeah, which is kind of crazy with what's happened in life now, Mm -hmm. which I feel like is kind of maybe what spirit was originally talking about so back in 2018 i think i was i found skate church a skate ministry in steamboat springs that had a a middle school program on monday nights and they had on thursday nights like a high school college and community night where everyone would come skate for a little bit then they would close the park and so they'd feed everybody and then we'd do a 20 minute message couple worship songs, which eventually I started playing the cajon uh, a lot of times with those worship songs. 
and eventually became a middle school leader for the middle school program. And over time got really involved there and just really fell in love with all the people there. And they helped me realize that not all Christians are like grumpy old people that are trying to shove the Bible down your throat. Like to be a a follower of Jesus is to be just unconditionally loving and graceful and, you know, do, do the reading, do the work and try to share that with everybody and and like really lead by example with love. And so that allowed me to be a lot more comfortable with the religion of Christianity and a lot more comfortable with the Bible and be able to take my own spiritual journey down that road, which I'm forever grateful for. And early on when I started going there, I'm a, a content dude, a camera kid And they wanted to put together just a general promotional video to have on their website and to use to try to raise money around town. And so we started making this video. And the first meeting I had with the pastor at the time, who I think is still leading there, uh, Nate Bartles. Big shout out to Nate. I freaking love that guy. We were meeting about the video, just kind of going over first round of edits and at the end of our meeting, he's, he thanked me. He said, thank you so much for doing this, bro. We really appreciate it. And I said, yeah, dude, I'm, I'm happy to do this and serve God in this way because I don't feel like I'm serving God and how I'm living my life. And he you know, asked me if I wanted to talk about that a little more. And it just kind of cracked me open and started getting really emotional with him. And then all of a sudden, I had this like moment of clarity and connection with spirit where I really felt God speaking to me saying, if you're able to clean yourself up and put the weed away, you can watch your dreams come true. And I had like kind of quick, like almost memory, like vision flashes of my dreams coming true, like skating and filming and being on a podium, people cheering. I felt the feelings of success and happiness and joy and respect of my peers And then it switched and it was like, or if you keep doing this, you can watch your life fall through your fingertips. And I had kind of similar memory flashes of burning out, of slamming on the ground, of friends crying, of just feeling of like, Mm. feelings of like shame and embarrassment and loss. And that like was really profound for me and really stuck to me and was really crazy. And um, so I, I stopped smoking and drinking for the rest of college, for the rest of being up in Steamboat. I put the weed down. And I really do feel like that needed to happen at that time because it it cleaned me up, it cleared me up, and it allowed me to launch my freelance career as a creator where part of the success in that was being an RA my second year in the dorms so that I got free rent and free food and was able to have very low overhead Mm -hmm. and do lots of projects for little to no money to just build up my experience and build up my ability to work with clients and be given a vision and create that for them and help, you know, sell people's products and portray their brand and everything, which takes time. You know, it takes a couple of years of doing that to really figure it out on a real level where you can ask somebody for money for it. Which led you to the career that you've had for the last three years as the marketing director of a very successful Exactly. One wheel accessories company. Part of the success in that early time was definitely my sobriety and it helped me keep my job as an RA because at Colorado Mountain College where I went to, there was like a 
pretty strict zero no, tolerance no policy. Drugs policy there, yeah. especially for the RAs. So I think, I think I had a, like a couple cheats here and there. When I dislocated my ankle, I started drinking again during my injury depression. And then mm-hmm. that led to a DUI. So then I sobered up after that again. But then, you know, coming home and just being, you know, not as motivated and not surrounded by my spiritual community whatsoever anymore, I just kind of fell off of that sobriety wagon and started drinking and smoking again and pretty much have been. I've had a couple like sober months here and there. I like check myself here and there and do like a little sober month to clear, clear my head and get back to it. And that was, you know, two, three, no, not two. It's like three or four years of doing that. And then recently the, with this sobriety that I've recently chosen, you know, I got to an, a point I had thought back to that vision a couple of times and I've, I was, I was always thinking, I was like, yeah, I needed to be sober then so that I could build the foundation. Cause now I am basically living my dreams, you know, but I also wasn't quite living my dreams cause I wasn't a, a pro rider. You know, I was kind of pro working for float life, you know, some days when I'd be at the office, be able to go out and ride for a day and film for like some advertisements and stuff. I was pro that day. And then the big races and all of that, and the big being races on the podiums. But you know, I wasn't getting paid to race. I got my travel covered, which is super helpful, but I wasn't getting paid to race. Or I never got paid for many podiums. It was just kind of part of the job. You know, I got to get out there and represent, you know, I was happy and I was stoked and I felt like, you know, I had sobered up for when I needed to sober up. But then I started spiraling out of control and my mental health was just not good. It was all over the place. And so I put the weed down again and legit within weeks of putting the weed down, I get an offer from one wheel to be signed professional one wheel rider and be paid healthy salary and full medical coverage, 100% zero deductible medical coverage to be a pro rider where the main focus is riding, training, filming, teaching, and competing, which is really what I want to be doing. Is that your dream, Bodhi? Is that, does it, when you think about sitting at Skate Church with Nate and you had that vision? Yeah. I mean, that's the sort of tie back to it is that I see is this, this vision of you always wanted to be a pro athlete from the time you were literally two years old. (laughs) And, you know, you've been this incredible board sports person. And so when you think about that vision being true, can you see for yourself what you want? And does, I don't think you have to be perfectly sober to be successful, but I think it needs to be your priority. For sure. What does that feel like? It's heavily moderated. Um, yeah, I mean, it is, it definitely is my dream. And I was all like, when I was young, it was either, either skating or snowboarding. I want mm-hmm. to either be a pro skater or pro snowboarder. And then we found the whitewater thing. We dove into the whitewater thing and that was super fun. I thought, oh, you know, I could be a pro whitewater athlete. That'd be super fun. And then we find one wheeling through whitewater mm-hmm. and started getting way into the one wheel scene. And then that kind of became my vision was like, okay, there's no pros yet but this is a a young sport and i know one day there will be pros and maybe even i could be a part of helping grow the sport in that direction and make that a thing 
And so that has been ever since I jumped on the one wheel that that became my dream. Mm -hmm. You know, it was like one day I will be a pro athlete. I'll be paid to ride solely to ride and to go compete and go cool places and make videos and teach classes and clinics and all these places. Cause that's what all the pros would do that I would see, you know, and here it is. And right after I put the weed down, it's like, God knew exactly what needed to happen. Right. And um, it's just more affirmation to me to stay on that, you know, as I go into this dream of mine and into this new season of life, I feel very motivated to keep the marijuana completely out of my life or at a very minimum and use it really just to, you know, if I'm out camping by myself, you know, smoke a little bit to do some like deep meditations to like shift my mind into a different perspective and see what, what there is for me to learn there, which I think is what that plant medicine is for to be used sparingly to shift our perspective. And as an addict, you got to be careful about that. You know, I just, totally. I just dropped an episode around the CBD got me accidentally stoned and I was like, wow, <laughs> that, you know, I, the addict in me wants to like this. Luckily I didn't like it, but you know, I, I don't want to determine for you, um, what the rest of your life will look like. Your sobriety is going to be your own journey and it's going to be a demon that is on your back, always trying to talk you into taking her back. You know, she's Mm -hmm. very seductive, the the addict. I just want to tell you how proud of you I am in this journey and how I appreciate your willingness to come and talk and share around it, you know, so often. My gratitude with both you and Alex is I... I know that it's going to be a journey. I know that it will be a story in your life, a storyline always, you know, in your life. Mm -hmm. And my hope is that it isn't a storyline that ever takes you down a path that is hard for you because as your parent, the number one thing is, I just want you to be happy and healthy, you know, and I want you to be successful in your, in what you feel good about. In soul recovery, what we teach is we've got to allow you to have whatever those failures or hard times are where some of the lessons are and that is the hardest part as a parent but watching Mm -hmm. something be a success and watching you put weed down and then immediately have a turnaround of the next level up for you is really exciting definitely so i just thank you and i love you of course love you too mom and i appreciate your being willing to come and share and is there a sort of last thoughts as a as a parent and as you continue on this journey, how can I best support you? What is the most supportive way for me to support you specifically in addiction? I mean, I think you already do a good job of it. It's really just fairly frequent, loving check-ins. Mm-hmm. Like, how are you doing? How much are you using? Is that helping you or is that hurting you? You know, is, are you at a place where you should check yourself or do you feel like you're doing good with your moderation? And it's really that simple. And then if it's like, there's not a clear answer, you know, then that usually means it's probably on the not so moderative side and mm-hmm. it's our, we're having a hard time admitting that. And then in that case, you know, you can offer loving, loving advice or loving encouragement to just, hey, just, just take a week, you know, just take a week, clear up. But I think that's really, that's really it is just being an accountability buddy. Accountability really buddy. I like that. Because... Our, our people our age, a lot of the people we're surrounded by are regularly drinking and smoking and not mm-hmm. thinking anything of it. And so you can be surrounded by that and 
not check in with yourself, you know? And so it's nice to have those people in your life, those sober friends or sober family that just check in and it's not like, what's up? You fucking up? Huh? Right. Yeah. You burning out? Mm-hmm. Huh? You know, piece of crap. Fix it. You gotta get your shit together. You know, but it's like, hey, how are you doing? How are you living? Is that serving you? Like just loving non- Non-judgment. Non-judgmental questions, you know, and that sometimes that's all it takes to like, oh man, I really haven't thought about this in a while. Like, I guess I am kind of- Checked out. A little, little, little out of control here. Mm-hmm. But that's really it. Okay. Well, that's yeah. helpful. Think and maybe that you could win the lottery and share some with me. I'm counting on you. <laughs> I've always put my retirement eggs in your basket. One you day. know, no pressure or anything. But. Yeah, right. Well, that is one of my first uh, financial goals is to- pay off whatever kind of debt you guys have left, which sounds like it's getting smaller and smaller. You guys yeah, it's just the crushing, house. crushing the debt, but um, I want to pay off all any kind of bills you guys have and give you a big old retirement. You're sweet. Chunk. You, we're, we're all self-supporting through our own contributions. So if you, if any of us hit it big like that, we will always share it. But the nice thing is we're not expecting that from right. anyone, which yep. is the healthiest part. We're going to buy a beach house in Mexico first. That'd be nice. And then a beach house in Puerto Rico. Little retreat centers, recover your soul retreat centers everywhere. Yep. Well, thank you, Bodhi. I love you. I appreciate you. And if anybody wants to go and see Bodhi in action, check out the one wheel scene. He's out there, Bodhi Harrison, doing his thing. Yep. It's about to, about to take it to the next level. That'll be fun. I can't wait to watch you. Yeah. Thanks, Bodhi. I love you. Thanks for having me. I love you too. Until next time, namaste. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Recovery Soul Podcast and being part of this amazing and growing community. If you loved this episode and you want even more, there is a bonus episode with even more content every Friday. This is by subscription. You can access that by being a Patreon member, and there's three tiers of giving of your choice, or an Apple Podcast subscriber. Once you have subscribed, you have access to a whole back catalog of episodes as well. If you go to the website, recoveryoursoul.net, and I would love for you to subscribe to email updates so that you can keep posted with everything that's going on, different events, what dates are coming up, any reminders. There's only a couple emails each month. I hope you follow Recover Your Soul on social media. You can find us on YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, the private Facebook community page, TikTok. And if you want guided meditations, look for Reverend Rachel Harrison on Insight Timer. I really encourage you to take advantage of the one-on-one coaching. This is a unique, intuitive connection between the two of us. There are nine steps to soul recovery, and I do use those nine steps to loosely guide us through whatever you're coaching that you need. But really, it's about creating a way for you to feel comfortable around your healing of your past looking at the situations in your life, what are the patterns, what are the beliefs that are holding you back, breaking free from those patterns, breaking free from those beliefs, letting go of control, letting go of the people around you, and taking your power back, discovering who you are and who you want to be in the world and how I can support you to do this. 
And also, you're sharing this podcast with your friends, putting five stars, leaving reviews, really sharing this with others is growing the community. Thank you for being part of this community. Thank you for supporting Recover Your Soul. And I know that together, we can do the work that will recover your soul. The Recover Your Soul podcast and its content is for educational purposes only and is not allied or representative of any organizations or religions. It's based on the opinions and experience of Reverend Rachel Harrison. Recover Your Soul claims no responsibility to any persons or entity for any liability, loss, damage, or cause alleged to be caused directly or indirectly as a result of its use. Applications or interpretations of the information represented herein. Take what you need and leave the rest.